Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to The Virtue Signal. I'm Bill Whittle with my friend Alfonso Rachel, and this is the show where we try to talk a little bit about the philosophy behind the politics. And uh, Zoe, we'll just get right into this. Uh, a couple days ago, as we record this, uh, Joe Biden said that, uh, you know, individual gun ownership is not going to protect you against the government. If you want to fight the government, you need F-15s and nuclear weapons. That's pretty much a direct quote. Mm. And I don't know about you, but my first thought was, well, where can I get my F-15s and my nuclear weapons? <laughs> I, 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 uh, I know how to fly an F-15 and I can be trusted with nuclear weapons. But it, <laughs> it got me thinking, you know, that is not the kind of attitude that I want my government to have. Mm -hmm. In other words, to say, yeah, you know, if you, you, you could conceivably uh, force a change in government if you had advanced fighter jets and nuclear weapons. That's not how I want my government to talk to me. So what I wanted to talk about today is this idea of rebellion and rebelliousness. People from virtually any other country, with the exception perhaps of Australia, but but certainly all of Europe and, and, and East Asia and so on, they look at this American idea of, of rebellion and rebellion against the government, and they're utterly mystified. Uh, I know when my wife first arrived from from Russia, she just thought the idea of well, I used to own weapons before they were all lost in that tragic boating accident, but um, but the idea of of defending yourself against the government is just they just, they just think it's insane. And from my point of view, I look at some of the things that have happened in Europe because people trusted governments that disarmed their citizens, and I think it's not so insane after all. But not I don't want this to be about gun rights. I would like this to be about the entire idea of rebellion and rebelliousness and the idea that you have not only um, a moral uh, uh, permission slip, but you actually have a moral obligation to rebel against a, a government that is not representative of you or your neighbors. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, for me, rebellion is... Um you know, try to, to we, we try to find a redeeming value in rebellion. Rebellion on its face is is not exactly a, a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, the the Constitution itself speaks of rebellion. Um, it's and it's not a good thing. The Bible itself speaks of rebellion. So um, the, the 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 very first sin itself is is rebellion, and it comes out of pride. Um, well, pride being the first sin, and then rebellion follows. Mm -hmm. But you know, in, I, I understand this this uh, this approach of of righteous rebellion. Um, Democrats themselves um, are rebels. That's who they've always been. They're rebels against the Constitution. Their their worldview doesn't square up with the Word of God, and like I said, it doesn't square up with the Constitution either. They've always been rebels against the Constitution. They, that really came to pass in the Confederacy. They were called rebels then, and they're rebels now. Nothing about that has changed. There's nothing new about the Democrat Party, uh, and in their rebellion, for them, for for Biden to even say, I mean, they're just showing their true colors. It's like, look, we've got all the weapons. You know, it's like, wow, man, you're actually considering. Or you're gonna lord they're, over they're us? They're threatening us. Yes, it's that's it's, a it's, threat. It, and it's, it's, it's a threat. It's an intimate. It's it's a at the very least, it's a blowback pitch, yes, right? And very dismissive. I mean, how dismissive? How condescending? Uh, talk about elitism, right? That they would say these that you know they would have this approach to us, and and it's not something that you know we've always considered. It's like sure, yeah, the government's got you know the weapons, and and we're supposed to and we're supposed to have a government that's supposed to protect us from enemies, both foreign and domestic. I understand that too. Uh, when you may have to pull out the big guns against a, a, a militia, I understand that also. Uh, but a government, but you know, when you have these militias that rise up. You're, it's with the understanding, and there's a lot of 
a lot of this stuff is really dyslexic, Bill. It's like, you know, uh, we do have these, like whether it's Antifa or BLM and these people who are uh, making their organizations to, well, they're not even taking on the government. They're taking on us. These yep. are, these are um, drones of the government. They're like a quasi paramilitary. And this stuff sounds very- a street very, army. Right. You know, this stuff sounds very familiar. We've seen these things go down in history. Um, and it's not like these people are going after the government, even these assumed anarchists, you know, they're, you know, anarchists, they're not even, uh, they're, they're not even going for the government. They're actually aiding the government and they're coming after us. So even the term anarchist is almost a misappropriation of words. So, you know, getting back to the whole rebellion thing, that's why I'm saying, Bill, rebellion is such a, uh, between the two terms, rebellion, and radicals. These words have been, you want to talk about something that's gone fully trans. <laughs> it's like, we're, it's, it's, I'm seeing the terms radical being misappropriated. I'm seeing the terms rebellion being misappropriated. And when we don't have a solid grip on what these words actually mean, people can take them to mean whatever they want. And before we know it, we're not really clear on who the real enemy is and the whole nation becomes a circular firing squad. Yeah. So if you if you look at uh, Antifa and you and, and they call themselves rebels, that's certainly something I look on with disdain. And, and, mm. and at the same time, the uh, founding fathers and the and the entire American nation during the Revolutionary War were the rebels. They were they were rebelling against Great Britain. They were mm. they were known as rebels and it was a rebel cause. And and that that is something I look on very highly. So that's telling me that the that the kind of the operative uh moral aspect of rebellion is what are you rebelling against? Mm. I think it's really what it comes down to. If you are rebelling against injustice, then you are morally empowered to do that. You're morally obligated to do it. But when you look at when you look at things like the uh, the Confederacy, for example, mm. I think it was Sherman, uh, General Sherman, who said one of the reasons was you know why he was so brutal when he marched through Georgia and then up through the Carolinas was he said that these people were rebelling against the, the, the finest government that had ever been brought forth on the earth. Mm -hmm. uh, and so th this whole issue of, of rebellion depends on what you're rebelling against. But even with that said, there is a quality about, about Americans unique in the world that is very sympathetic to the idea of fighting back against unjust authority, mm. not listen, not not being willing to have people in authority tell us what to do. There's a, a, a famous story, apparently a true story, about uh, it's, I don't know, 100 years ago or something, and uh, some British nobleman or something, an actual like a minor, you know, aristocracy, uh, came to um, came up to a ranch and he found a cowboy working there in in in, in the corral. And he said to him, uh, my good man, uh, where, where can I find your master? And the cowboy said, uh, that some bitch ain't been born. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and that may sound like a trivial little thing, but it's not. Mm. We have, with the exception of you know, people who are just completely blinded by glamour, mm. we have a very strong ingrained, uh, not even distrust, a, a, a genuine... Uh, revulsion towards this idea of unearned privilege, towards the idea of of uh, you know an aristocracy. If if I was standing in line at an ATM and somebody were to say to me, uh, "I need to cut in front of all of you because uh, I'm richer than you are, hmm. or I'm more important than you are," 
I know what my response would be. But, but if that same exact thing were to happen in Britain, at least relatively short time ago, if somebody would say, excuse me, I'm sorry, I am, I am the Duke of uh, Lancaster and I am in a bit of a hurry. Most of them just tip their hat and get out of the way. Hmm. Well, um, I guess uh, that, that dukey privilege goes a long way, I suppose. It does. Uh, <laughs> I, th- I think, um, you know, when we're talking about you know, this rebellion and these, and these privileges, it's like, wow. I mean, even rebellious privilege seems to be what got Biden into the White House. Uh, he's had the privilege of, work, of having a whole lot of factions working for them. They rebelled against our whole process, and, and, and here you go. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate because I think, um, you know, if I could take a, a, a tour of, of the word and the application of the word, like I said, mm-hmm. this, is, this is why I, I'm so concerned about how people read these things and misappropriate these things. Like say, for instance, uh, in, in the church, a lot of people, they lean on the scriptures that say that we're supposed to submit to all authority. All authority is appointed by God and we're supposed to be submissive to these things. But, and, and that's a lot of the reason why you have a lot of people complacent with this stuff and, and why the government could have the confidence that it does because of these misreads. Um, when people read these things from a, a sanctimonious and pious and, and leaning on their own understanding kind of view rather than actually squaring it up with the total word of God, you can't just submit to authority and, and, and even, and, and not recognize when authority itself is being rebellious. Um, when you had, uh, prophets that were like, yeah, uh, I understand the principle of submitting authority, but this kind of authority has not submitted to God himself. You have to square that up. You can't just say, oh, I'm going to be obedient to a government that's pro-slavery. I'm not going to be obedient to a government that's committing genocide against people. You can't do that. That's not what the word tells us to do. The word doesn't tell us to be a walking mat. It doesn't tell us to stand for being abused. So, you know, when people, that's why I say people have to have this understanding of what is this righteous, I think in terms of the Bible, I think I've only seen rebellion, like mentioned like one time in a redeeming sense where you rebel, where you are rebelling against a heathen king. Uh, Like I said, in our constitution, uh, rebellion is not something that should be tolerated, right? It's it's something that you're going to pay a a penalty for. Um, But, you know, even when people are trying to be like, good or law-abiding citizens, well, you have to have the discernment of like, well, what's good law? Do you understand when you have a, re- a rebel government that's making rebel policy that makes it legal to, to covet people's stuff and steal other people's stuff and encroach on other people's freedoms and stuff like that? Are you really sure what you understand what it is that you're rebelling against and who in power is rebelling against you? You know, that's a great point, and, and it's something you brought up on the, the, the first uh, beat that we started talking about this, mm. was the idea that it, it, it's actually this this current government, this, this democratic political theory mm. is, in fact, what's really in rebellion. Is in, is, it is in rebellion against the founding principles of this country, mm. and they're not shy about admitting Mm-mm. it either. <laughs> you know, they openly talk about how, how horrible this country is and, and so on, and so, and so they have rebelled against it, and frankly, if if uh, if Joe Biden is basically saying that this is a good reason not to have gun ownership, he's in he's in rebellion against his own constitutional oath. Not that he remembered it or anything, but I mean, you, you swear to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, not just the parts you like. Mm-hmm. And and they don't like the Second Amendment, and and the remedy to that is to repeal it, which I don't think is likely to happen. So here you've got these people who are in government in authority now with coercive powers over our lives mm-hmm. who are in open rebellion 
against the agreement to put them into power in the first place. That, that, that's the whole idea of the social contract or the social compact, as, as it was called. We will agree to allow other people to tell us what to do within a limited range and, and this is important, within a limited range, we'll let them tell us what to do and we determine which people go and tell us what to do and those people have to obey the same laws as we do. That's the agreement. Yes. And all three of those things have been violated now. And so you have to so, – so Americans, uh, conservatives uh, and, and patriots find themselves in a situation listening to the person who's calling himself the president of the United States basically – daring them, basically telling them that this, that this Second Amendment right to self-defense against, against criminals, against uh, assault, and against the government is a joke. It's a toy. You couldn't stop us if you wanted to. It's essentially the tone he's saying. And mm -hmm. parenthetically, it kind of does undermine the entire January 6th was the greatest threat to our government uh, since um, the Civil War, right? I mean, uh, Hardly anybody there was armed. The only people that were armed were the people shooting at the at the protesters, mm. and and so they're they're kind of caught in their own multiple contradictions. But I guess the thing I'm, I'd like to close with is it's it's tough. It's a tough thing emotionally for you to be a patriot and and feel like your government is is against you. And I think most of us. Not feel that, and they feel that way for a very good reason. I know a lot of us feel that the government not only is against us, but we didn't send that government there. It's not legitimate. It's not a legitimate uh, extension of the will of the people. And look, this is part of being adults in a democracy, right? In a, in a democracy, in a republic that's working, if I lose an election fairly, then I have to agree to be governed by the people who won because our side didn't make enough of a case. But but if there's all of this doubt and all of this, you know, all, we don't have to go through the whole thing with the with the voter irregularities and the, and the media. And now we find out that Facebook was was hiring people to, you know, just in violation of, of election law, all of this. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I'd like to, to close is, how do you deal with this kind of emotional um, conflict between loving the country and loving everything it stands for, and now suddenly finding yourself opposed to the people that are wearing those things like a cloak. Indeed, man. It's a, yeah, that principle of uh, governed by our consent and the consider to govern, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the culture has been so conditioned um, that the kind of governments that we're talking about, the, gov the too much of the culture just isn't uh, willing to consent to it. Uh, because from where our principles are coming from, people have been so conditioned to see us as the worst thing that you can see us as, like racist, uh, sexist, and so on and so forth. And, and Democrats have, have all the platforms to be able to promote this idea. And that's why you can have Biden, despite all the stuff that's coming out and stuff that's being disclosed, Ain't nothing, the way the culture is conditioned, there is nothing more uh, vile, nothing worse, nothing more profane than being a racist. That's been the conditioning. So they'll go ahead and consent to this guy being in the White House and he's doing everything that he's doing, no matter how much of a bumbling, I mean, he's just not, you know, he's not playing with a full deck. And, uh, and he's just evil. 
He's just straight up evil. You're not playing with a full hand. Right? (laughs) That's right. And I I, I hate to think what his other hand is doing. It's probably grabbing somebody and sniffing on him. Right? But (laughs) Count Sniffula. But, you know, the thing is, is is the way the culture has been conditioned. and, And, you know, we've talked about this before. It's not even about, you know, the gun issue. This is not something that the Second Amendment is is the kind of tool to protect us from this with. There has to be uh, a counter uh, a counter content, a counter approach to all the things that the, the Democrats didn't take over the country with guns. They took it over with propaganda. You know, they took it over by using the vehicle of imagination. They used it by exactly by, right. by the most dangerous weapon there is, slander. They've 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 uh, co-opted all these things, and not, I'm not saying that we should use slander. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, you no, know, but we do need to. But we do need to tell a better story. Exactly. And, and that's right. They're mm. they're they're not coming at us with guns, as we've said many mm. times on the show. They're coming at us with stories, and mm. they're not going to kick down your door and take your guns. They're going to convince your grandchildren mm-hmm. to turn the guns in and turn you in too. Yes. Yes. That's and that's where they are. And uh, and that's where we are uh, again. You know, it's it this this stuff shouldn't be um, you know new to us, and uh, you know so this thing that we're dealing with uh, with Democrats right now and and the uh, the how do I the, we talked about this uh, just being puffed up. They're just really puffed up. They're full of yeast and they're lo- lording over us. And uh, you know, in terms of like what do we do about it right now? Um, I think I just saw a, a video and you're one of the only people who are doing this, Bill. It's like, you know, myself, myself included, but it's unfortunate there's just not enough of this. I think with conservatives, you know, in tr- they, they're so caught up with defending America and defending the history of America. And there's a lot of pride tapped in it. And, and they got to believe that pride goes before destruction. We'll be destroying a little bit at a time that they keep forgetting to tie Democrats with the evils that America has gone through. America's not an inherently racist country. It's not an evil country. It was founded recognizing the God-given rights of man. That's That's at the core of what we are. That's a very radical idea, right? It has a root. It has a core. It has something to stand on. And you're one of the only people that is saying, look, all these things that you're upset about, America, uh, it's all tied to the Democrats, all right? And, and, and every time it seems like the Democrats, you know, uh, say that this is what's going on, you get, uh, and what they're doing, you got a lot, you get, we get a lot of, uh, eye rolls, you know, oh, here we go with the race baiting stuff. And here's the, you know, the, uh, the social justice narrative and stuff like that. Instead of throwing it back in their face and say, whoa, 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 before you accuse America of this, no, there is a faction of America that has done this. That would be the Democrat party. You want to go after some white devils? That's them. Yeah. Okay. We know that there is systemic racism. We know that there is white privilege. We know that there has been an apartheid movement. And right now, a, a, uh, if I could say an apparition of apartheid still going on with the Democrat Party. Yes, that stuff still exists. It's them. You want somebody to be mad at, you go be mad at those guys. Yeah, we ought to, we ought to uh, insist that all of these anti-American manifestos, they mm-hmm. ought to just do like a search and replace. And every time they, the word America comes up, just replace it with Democrats. Yes. Democrats are an incredibly uh, inherently evil place and <laughs> Democrats are racist and you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, America is... a Americans are rebellious people, and, and it's not uh, an assertion. It's, it's true, and it's true on its face. Uh, this country was, was founded by people who were willing to get up and leave places that they didn't like. It, that's the entire 
magnet of America, at least it has been historically, was the idea that while most people would rather stay in their village and, and, and starve in a potato famine or, 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 mm. or allow the czar or the secret police or whatever to run their lives, there's a small number of people in any population who are just not going to put up with it and they will take the risk. They are risk takers. Mm. Uh, and they all moved here. Mm. And um, and I had a friend of mine uh, who knows an awful lot about uh, uh, science and, and uh, genetics, and she said she told me which allele this thing was expressed on in terms of a gene. There is a gene for for risk taking and rebelliousness, and we've got it. Mm. It's being bred out of us, and it's being bred out of us quickly, mm. and we cannot allow the psychological underpinnings of of righteous rebellion to be removed from the society without without a catastrophe the the right to rebel the right to overthrow a government that no longer represents you is the primary political uh, uh, natural gift that we all have as human beings we have the we have the moral authority and the moral obligation to remove ourselves from a government that no longer represents us and uh we all struggle with this uh, now, and we're going to continue to struggle with it until we can restore not the not the governance. The politics will follow what we need to do. We need to restore the story of America as an exceptionally good place, not an exceptionally bad place. And if we can do that, then the politics will simply follow behind it. Politics is downstream of culture. That's how it works. Mm. For Alfonso Rachel, I'm Bill Whittle. This show is made possible by the members at BillWhittle.com. It's a small group of, of patriots who love this country and are determined to get messages like this out to everyone. And if you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. You can go to BillWhittle.com and become a member or make a one-time donation if you'd like. Uh, for Alfonso Rachel, I'm Bill Whittle. We'll see you next time right here on The Virtue Signal. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in for some Sledge Covers, where I put a sledge edge on songs from back in the day, particularly from the 70s and the 80s. Bell bottoms to parachute pants, baby. If you dig what you hear, you can download all these songs for free or drop a buck in a guitar case if you like. I wouldn't mind that. You can also check out original 20-pound Sledge Jams, too. You can also download all those for free or make a donation. Thank you so much for supporting. Links are in the description field. Sledge on!
That was where we used to sleep
Wait, stop. Okay, song stopped. What's up? Man, I feel kind of silly singing the quad diddly quad quad parts. Really? Yeah. Actually, you know what's really silly, man? What? You in here talking to yourself and posting it online. And playing with yourself, too. I play the instruments myself. Don't get it twisted, pervert. I know you are, but what am I? I'll give you a hint. I'm you. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. Want to get back to that silly sing-along, hmm?
step down, yeah. 